WTLA North Syracuse, WSGO Oswego, W249BC Mattydale, W261AC Oswego, WTKWHD2 Bridgeport, ESPN Radio. I'm a fun you guy. You have fun when they finish below 500. I'm just Captain Fun. I guess. Or a captain suit, the show from now on. I don't like the half point. Well, that's called the hook. I don't like it. What the hook How do you get rid of it? Can you get rid of the hook? I'm going to have a coronary. I'm getting too old for this job, but you guys may have won. Upset. If you look back at where the term came from, it was from a horse race. Upset when did you turn a, into Cliff Clavin? I like this job. I've had it for a long time, Paul. Last one. This is a chemistry lab. I'm just, the verge of next year's Super Bowl. I can't Bowl. help what I think. Be honest, Paulie. You're not doing this for <laughs> other people's entertainment. You are truly enjoying this. This is Orange Nation. With Stephen Fonte and Paulie Sebelia. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Pauly Sibilia. I'm Stephen Fonte. We welcome you into a Monday edition of Orange Nation, another game day edition of the show. Virginia in town tonight. We'll talk with the play-by-play man of the Cavaliers, John Freeman, will join us at 1 o'clock. Coming up at 1230, we've got our weekly SOS house call. Ben Brightman, occupational therapist, director of hand therapy at SOS. We'll join us, plus we'll mix in your phone calls throughout 315-437-7644. We've got our Super Bowl matchup set. We're going to talk plenty of uh, SU basketball on the show today. We'll even mix in some SU football news as things move along. And um, running out of opportunities, Paulie. We, you, you just asked me before the show, you said, well, if they run the table, Syracuse run yeah, the table at large bid? Well, yeah, that was like the only, I'm trying to figure out the only way they're getting an at-large bid right now is if they basically run the table. Yeah, I feel like at this point, you and I and everybody, we just need to stop talking about the tournament. And uh, until things... It, I, I it, hate to tell you, Steve, but that's our job. No, I know. I know. I'm saying, like, before we could even talk about scenarios, like, they have to show they that they can win the some game. Right? <laughs> or this or start fun. trending towards the bubble. They're not even trending towards the bubble at this point. I mean, that was that was bad on Saturday. Um, Virginia Tech shot the ball very well. We knew Hunter Couture made a difference, right? He is a difference maker, and uh, he made a difference on both ends of the court. And it wasn't close, start to finish. They were just completely taken out of their game, and they're in a whole lot of trouble. I mean, we you know we saw leading up to that game, they were, they were playing better, and there were some encouraging signs, and you know they were right there against Miami, right there against Carolina, didn't pull it out, and then uh, you know that was kind of a dud on Saturday. Yeah, some, sometimes you're the bug, sometimes you're the windshield. They were they were the bug last night. I'm not I'm not going to read too much into it. It's just Virginia Tech and Virginia both are two teams that pick the zone apart. Yeah, and they've got them back to back. I tell you what, they had a plan, and man, the Hokies executed it. I mean, they, they weren't just getting shots. They were getting wide-open looks. Uh, Syracuse had a plan also. I don't know that they they followed it very well. You know, Coach Beheim, uh, there's, there's one person. Can you think of a guy, Kihei Clark maybe, that picks the zone apart better than Mutz? Oh, he's terrific. He is terrific. Yeah. Like, have you? Can you think of one guy that was like? There's been a couple guys at Virginia that just stands at the free throw line and is able to just shred it. Yeah. I mean, he's 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 
He's a zone buster, and I think we saw that uh, on Saturday. We we've seen that the last several times they played him. He is he's a problem for Syracuse, and uh, he was a problem again over the weekend. I don't normally say this, and Stephen North Syracuse brings it up. There was a point in that game where I was like, "Why not just try man to man? Like, just try it." Because Steve, when you say they were getting wide open shots, they were. Why set your feet, take a deep breath. It was warm ups. Yeah. It it was. That's what it that's what it felt like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was it felt like a practice where you're running zone offense and the coach is like, all right, let's run it again. And I mean they every time <laughs> down, they ran it again and they got they got a wide open look. Yeah. Um, Thirteen made threes for Virginia Tech on Saturday. And that was with not shooting the ball well in the second half. I mean, they made eleven in the first half. They were 11 for 20 in the first half from three-point range. That's pretty good. And it was, I hate to say it, but it was the defense was bad. Bad. Virginia's the only rank, ranked team left on the schedule as of right now. And and, and that's why, like, I, and I you said it's our job, and I, I get it. And and I, you know, I'll, I'll talk about the tournament, but... It's just it's so far away. Like they're not so far, even near the verge. They're just so far away. <laughs> What's the opposite of the verge, Steve? <laughs> Syracuse is on it. Oh man, it. Um, you know, listen. All, all they could concern themselves with is is what happens from here on out, right? You you can't go back, and they've missed a lot of opportunities as we've talked about. This this feels like a. A must win, and I I hate the term must win, especially in the no, month of January. But it feels like a it feels like a must win. Like forget about the tournament. This just feels like a must win. Yeah, if this isn't a must win, if they don't win this one, the ACC tournament, the whole tournament, is a must win. Must win. Yeah. And you you, you know you're getting to that point as it is. Um, yeah. Uh, there's one, two, three. You got nine four. games left. Hold on. I'm yeah. I'm just, okay. There's, you you broke up my. I only you, have one hand, Steve, and you you. You gotta start four. One. <laughs> you have to start counting two, again. Two, three, four. There's five good games left on the schedule, and then there's a. The rest of them are games that you can't lose. You can't lose to Georgia Tech. You can't lose to Florida State. You can't lose to BC. So there's all must wins and all must not loses left yeah. on the schedule. Right. And then there's Wake Forest, who's just weird. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't even know. Um, you know, I I log every single play of every game when I watch it. I stopped logging the game like early second half. I just said I, I I've seen enough. I mean, I I watched the game, but I didn't sit there and you know play by play log what was going on. No, it was over early. Yeah, it got late early. Yes, it did <laughs> in that, that game. You know, and. It was, it was a horrible game, and you know what? Syracuse hung in there against North Carolina, lost. They needed to win that game because games like this happen every year to every team. And Syracuse could not afford to have that happen. Right, and we we discussed that early on that you lose to Bryant, you lose to Colgate, it removes some of your margin for error, and there's no margin for error. Anymore, and it's a, it's unfortunate that they gave those games away to, to Miami and, and Carolina because 
you know, they it, they wouldn't be in great shape at the moment, but you would feel, okay, well, they got at least one quad one, maybe two quad ones out of that stretch there, and it, it at least makes it interesting. Um, but right now, I mean, their their resume is is Garbage. nowhere nowhere near what it needs to be. It's like mine. I'm not getting another job if I go looking. Terrible. You know, my son didn't see the game, and and he asked me. He's uh, lucky. Well, he said, "So who <laughs> played well?" I was like, "Really? No. I mean, you know, it, Judah's numbers were good. Twenty-one eight. It did have five turnovers. I, I just I didn't feel like anybody played good. No, Jesse. You know, Joe didn't get shots, but Jesse should should dominate that team. They didn't get him the ball well in good spots. He didn't finish. He got in foul trouble. Yeah." I'm not blaming him, but I'm blaming him. He's he's at a point where he should be dominating games like that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, in, in terms of who played well, is is the answer Justin Taylor to that? Judah Mintz, please. I mean, Judah played. Judah he played. He turned the ball he over, fine. but he played. He, he, anybody that saw him play in that game and wasn't like, that dude can score. Right. No, he was he was fine. I just I didn't. We've seen him play like that, though, yeah. before. I didn't feel like anyone played, you know, exceeded their expectation. Justin Taylor, I thought, played pretty well. Um, but outside of, you know, outside of Jude, outside of Justin, they, there wasn't much to like. And and defensively, again, just it was a clinic put on by Virginia Tech in terms of how to get open shots against the zone, and they made the open shots in the first half. And they, they didn't shoot great in the second half, but they didn't need to. Game was over at halftime. Man, it was ugly. I saw it live. It added 10 pounds of ugliness to the TV. <laughs> Did yeah, it was uh, it was pretty ugly on TV, Paulie. Yeah, it was uh, yeah. It in there are games like the the last time I can remember when Virginia came into the dome and just smoked Syracuse. That's the last time I can remember the zone leaving guys that wide open. Like nobody was even running at them. Yeah. Like like normally when the zone is out of whack, there's a guy running, like but he's two steps too late. They, there was nobody coming. Like you, you're waiting for the cavalry to come, and they're not coming. You're on your own, kid. Enjoy that nice wide open jump shot. And if you're a Division One basketball player, you're gonna have you, to you're gonna make it. You're gonna make shots, um, open shots, more often than not. They didn't make them all. They made most of them. What, my friend, at this point, allow me to ask you this deep philosophical question: What's a good outcome for this team now? You're looking back at this year. Right? You like big picture or you talking yeah, record? Or are you just talking about talk record, just like just talking about like how what, the season ends? Yeah, what what do you want out of this team now? Is is the NCAA a realistic hope? Well, that that is always the goal. So yeah. I, I don't think that every, and, and the way that you know the But form, if you look back at the season now and they don't make the tournament, are you disappointed? I think so. I think so. Aren't I mean, yes. That that is that is the standard here. I know, but no, but like I'm talking just this season, like what you've seen so far. You know what this team is. So they've got nine games left, plus at least one in the tournament, uh, ACC. So you're saying, like, are you are you asking me if they go like eight and two down the stretch and miss out on the tournament? Do I think it does it change my opinion of the season? I don't think so. No, I mean I think it's and it, you know I'm a very much a I would like to see how it goes kind of guy. Like I want to see what it looks like. But the goal is to make the tournament. If you don't make the tournament, it's you. It, it's yes, it's a disappointment. It has to be. It has to be. 
But you know what the team is now. Does this look like a tournament team to you? Well, it did not Saturday, but prior to that, they've been playing better. But he, So you're saying if they play well down the stretch, but they don't make the tournament, am I satisfied? And the answer is no. I don't think anybody around here should be satisfied. All right. And the coaches aren't going to be satisfied, and the players no, aren't going to be satisfied. No, you're not coaches. I'm just saying, like, if this team makes a run in the NIT, are you okay with that? Young team? I mean, I feel like you're trying to make me say something I don't want to say. I Like, no, but, like, you know what this team – I'm not asking you to say I'm happy with it. I'm just saying – this team might be a very good NIT team right now. That might be the ceiling. Okay. Set your, you know, it might be something this team needs, and if they can ret- retain this team off of a nice, I'm hoping that's not what it is. I hope they somehow get in the tournament. But if they can retain, I think right now retention of this team is very important. That would be my main goal if I was uh yeah. In charge uh, I, of this team. I I think they've got some pieces, and you know we've talked about this from the beginning of the year that this this would be a very intriguing team should the core of this group come back. I, everybody's not going to come back. We know that. This, now, I think the starters could. Yeah. Um, who do you define as a starter now? I mean that's that's a that's <laughs> another question. Um, I'm not sure all of that those you know I'm not sure all of those guys maybe. Maybe all of them will. I, I would I would suspect that we're not going to see all of them back. Um but again that that's talk for the offseason. You know, that's No, but, it's not. Well for, for that the, should be the, right now for the, should... for the team right now, this is about trying to salvage like, the year. Like after that game, they just got their ass kicked. Every coach probably had to go in there and talk them off the ledge. You know what, this this is gonna happen. You know, what might be better next year. It could happen again next year, you know, but I need you here for that, you know, so this doesn't happen frequently. You know, like literally every game that's got to happen now. I know you didn't play today, kid. You just sat there and watched us get smacked around, but we need you. I think they need to try to salvage the season. And yeah, that's the, I mean that's the yeah, focus. Don't think they're doing, yeah, yeah. They're, and there's not, a chance. I, I, my, a my opinion of, is they're not worried about next year right now. They're worried about trying to beat Virginia tonight and trying to get on a roll here. Because who knows? Like you know, we could talk about what do they need, and they can't worry about that. They need to win the next one, and then the win, win the next one after. They that. They need to win all of them, bro. No, I'm, I I get it, but they can't look at it like that. They just got to worry about the next one and. You know they were playing better, and you know maybe this was a bump in the road. Unfortunately, they they maybe don't. they were tired. That's a good excuse. <laughs> that Saturday, that Saturday Monday thing. Oh, that would be tonight. They would yeah, be tired. right. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at life. So man, they're gonna lose again tonight. They're gonna be tired. They're gonna be tired. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, they they had several days between games. Yeah. Paulie, I don't think they were tired. No, tonight's tonight. They're tired already. Yes, yeah. Right. That's I, how it why works. even play it. That's how it works. All right, let's uh, take yeah. a break. Let's hit a timeout. We'll hear from Coach. We'll hear Coach Beheim's post game thoughts. Phone lines are open if you want to check in. We're back after this on ESPN. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. Hour number two of Orange Nation is underway. I don't know if 
this is a good song to play tonight, Steve, for today. I would say a win against Virginia is against all odds, if you know what I mean. Well, yeah. Although I looked at the the spread, it's only uh, it's only five. Those are not good odds. I would, uh, if you were uh, say uh, gonna bet to win a free pizza for someone, I would probably take Virginia tonight. Yeah, if we're talking five, yeah. But you know what? College basketball is a funny thing. Like, yeah. It's not been funny this year. No, Steve. but I mean we we've seen there's nothing funny. We've seen about plenty of happening. examples of teams struggling that you know they they play at home, they put it together, and they they surprise somebody. Um, Is that funny to you, Steve? I'm just saying I wouldn't be completely shocked if Syracuse won this game tonight. Not expecting it, Man. but it can happen. I, this Virginia team's pretty good, and and we're we're hoping to get John Freeman on here. Um, he's he's tied up at the moment, uh, play-by-play man the, uh, for Virginia. The problem with Virginia is, is if we saw it happen. If you fall behind to them, you're not coming back. There's not enough points. You know, like if you're down 20 or 10 or 15 to these guys, it's over. And the thing that's a little bit different about this year's Virginia squad than most years is they they could score. They can. They can score. They can score better than past teams. And maybe they don't defend quite as well. Um, but this team could score. And you look at their last several games. I mean, 76 against BC, 76 against Wake, 78 against Virginia Tech. Um, Not three you know, they, great defensive teams. They put up 73 against Syracuse. Yeah, but I mean, you're used to seeing... 65. Right. You're, see, you're used to seeing them... 65-40. Right. They, they beat teams... Exactly. They they beat teams, you know, 62-58. Um, or they'll play a game in the 50s. This team can score a little bit more. Uh, than past Virginia teams, and they're and they're playing well. They they uh, you know rose quickly in the rankings. They got up as high as number three, uh, number two actually. When they lost to Houston, they were second in the country. Currently seven, right? And then uh, yeah, I mean they're they're inside the top ten, and and they're uh, they're playing well. They're playing good basketball, and and we saw you know them down in Charlottesville uh, earlier in the month. This and, would and, be a good win, Steve. It's really your last chance. To move the needle, with right. I mean, right. It may, you know, maybe Duke. I mean, Duke. Yeah, I, Duke's I was, not even a great win I, right well, now. Well, right. That's what. That's what I'm saying. Um, maybe Duke, but Virginia would move the needle. And as you said, this is right now, as it stands at the moment, this would be their last chance to beat a ranked opponent. Yeah, you've got to beat Virginia. You got to beat. I said it. There's a lot of must wins and a lot of must not loses left. All right, let's uh, let's get to the uh, the voice of the Virginia Cavaliers. Pleased to be joined right now by John Freeman as we preview tonight's matchup between the Orange and the Cavaliers here inside the Dome. John, thanks so much for coming on. How are you today? What's up, guys? This is uh, snowy Syracuse here. A little different than Virginia that I left. But, uh, <laughs> Welcome. We just we just had a shoot around at the Dome, getting our feet uh, set there in your iconic venue, and we're excited for this one tonight. Yeah, not just snowy here, very cold here as well. Uh, so we're sorry for that. Uh, you know, Paulie and I were just talking about how this Virginia team feels a little bit different than than past Virginia teams in that they, they maybe they score the ball a little bit better. Um, what would you say to that? Do you, do you think this year's team is is a little bit different than than what we've seen from Tony Bennett's squads of late? Well, I mean, Virginia can always score when they got 
you know, shooters like Kyle Guy and, and Ty Jerome have passed, but uh, this year is a little different in the sense that anybody can step up and have a big night. So you, you look at back at our national championship team, and you know, it was kind of the same cast of characters that would pour in the points. But with this UEA team this year, you know, on any given night, Ben Vanderplas can go off, or Kea Clark, or Reese Beekman, or Armand Franklin, and uh, that's a nice luxury to have. I mean, Jaden Gardner had 18 points in our last night out, so. It's a nice luxury to have of if somebody's shot isn't going down, it's a next man up mentality with this UVA basketball team. And, you know, who knows? We always play a game, me and my color analyst, Jimmy Miller, before the game starts, of take a guess who we think on Virginia is going to be the leading scorer in a game that's about to occur. And honestly, we've never gotten it right. And we're 19 <laughs> games in the season. So that tells you everything you need to know about UVA. Well, that, that is a good sign. Is it, the opposite is true of Syracuse. There's there's really three options. Uh, <laughs> Paulie, what were you going to say? No, I, we were also talking that uh, Mutz for Virginia Tech has notoriously torn the zone apart, and so has Kihei Clark, who feels like he's on year 9 or 10 at, at Virginia. What what do you think he does that makes him so good against the zone? Talking about Kihei? Yes. Yeah, so in, in the last game, there's that little soft spot in the zone of the free throw line. And Kihei was able to get the ball and turn and face against Syracuse. And also, he can knock down the free throw line jumper if it's given to him. So, one, he can turn and face. If he's got a shot, he'll take it, and he'll probably make it. But then also, as you said, he's 35 years old. He's been playing college basketball for 15 years. And he just knows. I mean, he's played this zone how many times in his career and had success against it. He's able to really pick apart the defense if he can turn and face and have a little bit of time to make a decision because he's one of the best passers of the basketball in in all of college basketball. And you know, I think he'll have an opportunity to do that tonight. I think Reese Beekman as well, who leads the ACC in assist to turnover ratio. So you got two guys that are careful with the basketball, that are smart, that are capable passers. And you know, that bodes well if they can find that soft spot in the zone. Yeah, Kihei Clark, 11 assists and Beekman, 7 last game, Steve. Yeah, and they share the basketball. They make shots. We just saw there with Virginia Tech on Saturday. Um, it, you know, you've seen a lot of ACC basketball this year, John, and, and you know we've been watching a lot. Um, it, it feels like to us that Virginia is the best team in this conference. I know they're not technically in first place at, at the moment, but they seem like the one team out of this conference that could really make some noise come March. Do, do you agree with that? Do you think this is the best team in the conference? Uh, that, now you're going to put me on the bulletin boards in Clemson, South Carolina. <laughs> They're going to have my photo on it with uh, whatever quote I say to answer your question. But, uh, I, I mean, Virginia is definitely one of the better teams and maybe the best team in the conference. But we're, we're only at the halfway point. It's a tough one tonight. And you know, I'd like to think whoever wins the conference is the best team in the conference. And right now everybody's chasing Clemson, who's got a phenomenal team this year with some really good players. But, yeah, I mean, Virginia's playing really well. And you know, the second part of your question was, or, or at least the statement was, Virginia really looks like it can be a team that can make an impact in March. Let's not forget the ACC last year, that at this point, everybody was really down on the conference. And then how many teams are in the Elite Eight? Yeah, right. And in the Final Four. So once it gets to March, there's so much talent in this league. And then another thing that people overlook in the ACC is the quality of the coaches. I mean, you've got an exceptional coach. We've got, in my opinion, you know, one of the best coaches in America. You go all the way down a long list of ACC coaches, and 
they're a big reason why so many of these teams can contend in March. Well, and, uh, you know, Virginia's got a, a great coach in Tony Bennett. Yeah, I was going to say specifically to Virginia then in terms of making a run in March. You mentioned they've got the coach. Do you feel like they have the, the pieces in place? They have the makeup of a team that can that can make a deep run and, and maybe even a Final Four run? <laughs> I mean, March is just so unpredictable. You know, if you'd asked me if St. Peter's last year had the makeup of an Elite Eight team, I would have said, heck no. Uh, but they were in there. But this is a talented team. I mean, you look at, at some of our players. Kihei Clark won a national championship. Jaden Gardner has scored over 2,000 points in his career. He's a transfer. Uh, I mean, Reese Beekman, in my opinion, is, is you know one of the top five defenders in the entire country, and he's going to be an NBA player, hopefully you know sooner rather than later for him. And, and you just look top to bottom with this team. Ben Vanderplas can bang home some threes on any given night. Ryan Dunn, the freshman that's been coming off the bench and giving some really valuable minutes and has a lot of you know, NBA scouts starting to maybe even notice him uh, as a young freshman. So, I mean, you look at this Virginia team and there's a lot of answers to any questions that people throw at them in March for sure. You just saw Syracuse play, uh, you know, a couple weeks back. Um, and it's a team that, you know, since then is, 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 Almost pulled off a couple of upsets, Miami and North Carolina, two games that they, they really should have won, both of them, and, and they just slipped away at the end. And here they are, you know, a team that is 13-9, and nine and their resume nowhere near NCAA tournament worthy at the moment. Um, but what, what did you notice about Syracuse, especially in that second half, when you saw them play against Virginia, they made that run, and then, you know, how they've looked of late to you. They seem to be playing better, although they didn't play well on Saturday against Virginia Tech. What stands out to you about the Orange? Yeah, well, they can always shoot. <laughs> they always got a guy that can pour in points. And uh, Joe Girard didn't really get started until late in that game, and then bam, you know, he, he arrived and almost clawed his team back into into the game at John Paul Jones Arena. So, uh, you know, Syracuse is always scary, and they got shooters, and this year is no different. And then uh, one thing about the first meeting between Virginia and Syracuse that uh, kind of went under the radar is that Benny Williams didn't play, and it wasn't the fact that he just didn't play. It was the fact that he was a really late scratch. I think he had like a stomach bug or something like that. Yep. And that changes a lot. You know, when you, when you know a couple days in advance that somebody's not going to play or that they're questionable, that's a lot different than you rock up to the arena and you're ready to play. And then suddenly, you know, one of your starters is out. Um, so he's going to play tonight, obviously. And I think that'll help a lot for Syracuse. But nevertheless, we, we are very aware. But Syracuse is a talented team. They always are. And on any given night, Joe Girard can just pop off and be one of the best players in the country. What do you think this game comes down to tonight? Ah, uh, we got to make some shots. We've, uh, we've been a little hot and cold from behind the arc. We've had some really good games from shooting the three. And uh, I mean, you, you probably interview play-by-play guys before every single game. And they all say, we got to hit a three against the zone. And, you know, this night is, is no different for us. But we got a lot of characters that can step up and do it. And then the other thing is just well, we didn't have much time to prep. You know, we, we played on Saturday. So did Syracuse. Both teams played in Virginia. So this hasn't been a lot of time to really perfect how we want to approach the zone. But I do like that we've already played Syracuse and have the benefit of that past experience. But first 10 minutes or so, if I see some shots go in, I'll feel pretty good about it. So when you before the game starts, who are you going to pick to have the most points? I want, I want to know now. All right. I, I'll throw one out there for you. Ben Vanderplas. He's our X Factor tonight. He's a transfer from Ohio. He's hard to miss. He's got a big old mustache. 
He's trying to bring that back from the 70s, confident guy. He's never played in the Dome since he transferred from Ohio. So I think he's going to be game. It's a really, really neat environment for anybody to play in in college basketball and for somebody who's 24 years old like him. A really cool opportunity, and I expect him to thrive in it. All right, hopefully that we'll, was the one I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting that either, but hopefully we'll change your luck tonight. Hopefully he's the guy. Fear, fear the sash, boys. <laughs> it's coming. All right, John. Thanks so much for coming on. We do appreciate it, uh, and uh, it, it, have a good call tonight, and uh, and try to stay warm because I know you. It's it's freezing out tonight. <laughs> oh man, I see snow. I'm taking a walk right now, and. It's a little different than Charlottesville, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there he is, John Freeman, uh, the voice of the Virginia Cavaliers. You could have said "stay warm" in the three. Yeah, yeah, that would have been different. Yeah, you could have up a little bit. You could have dropped that. No, in. that's your world. I don't steal. I don't steal. Did, did his ideas. voice remind you of anyone? This voice remind no little Matthew McConaughey. No. No, I'm gonna have to go back and listen. You have to listen. I don't. That was as soon as as soon as we were talking to him. That's that's the first thing that popped into my head. Uh, great voice. Uh, and again, he'll be on the call tonight for the Virginia side of things. Matt Park, of course, on the Q side of things. As we uh, hit another timeout here, phone lines open at three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> Happy birthday, Phil Collins. It's Orange Nation. Busy day in the nation, if you know what I mean, Steve. Talking a loss to Virginia Tech. Talking a game tonight about Virginia. Syracuse is playing Pitt at Yankee Stadium next year. People's pets' heads are popping off. It's chaos in the queue. Don't lose my number, though, Steve, because listen to Orange Nation all this week. Four three seven seven six four four. When I tell you to call in, I'll have Luke Bryan tickets for you. That's right. Get them before you can buy them. Yes, yes. Win, come on. Win them before yes, you can let's buy them. Come on. You you used to be a DJ at Z eighty nine. You know, <laughs> that was a long time Win ago. Them. That's why I got it wrong. Get, get your get your get your DJ vernacular correct. Win them before you can buy. Get them before you can buy. <laughs> Does it sound as fun? They, they knew they knew what I meant. Yeah, they did. But it just come on. Okay. I can't. You know what stinks is I break that would have been the best time to blow you up with, with your DJ name and say that that name would be so disappointed in you. But you didn't because you're I a know, bro. I am a bro. I appreciate that. Uh, all right, we uh, we're gonna hear from John Wildhack. I had a chance earlier uh, to uh, to chat with him briefly, and again, uh, we were told nothing other than scheduling. So that's why there are no questions outside of the game and the scheduling. Uh, but here's a, a portion of what we discussed. This is four or five minutes of uh, of the interview from earlier. Uh, I started him off by asking simply, "How did this game against Pittsburgh at Yankee Stadium come together?" He came to me at the uh, spring meetings, ACC spring meetings, uh, down in Amelia Island in uh, 2021, it was. And uh, we were talking, and he's the one who informed me and broached me of, with the idea. I never thought, and I don't think most people would think, that when you think of Yankee Stadium College football and all the historical games that were played in there, that the first one would be Pittsburgh-Syracuse. You know, you'd think it'd probably be, you know, Army would be involved in there, maybe one of the Ivy Leagues, Notre Dame, something like that. So. Uh, that's how it came to uh, uh, how I came to learn of it. I didn't know that either. And, and, you know, the first thought would be, oh, that's really cool. And then w- 
tell me how it came to be that you're actually going to play a game there, right? It's, there's quite a leap to go from, oh, okay, that's a cool fact. I didn't know about that to let's play a game there in 2023. It was just discussions that Mark and I would have periodically. And he asked me if, there, if I had interest in it. And I said, yeah, I, I do have interest. I want to talk to, to Coach Babers about it. I want to talk to other people about it. Um, I'm very sensitive to moving games. Um, from the JMA Wireless Dome. Um, we haven't done that since I've been here. We didn't do it for Notre Dame this past year. We could have if just economically we wanted to, uh, to do better, but we didn't. But I think when you have something that's so historic and uh, obviously one of the great venues um, in a city which is incredibly important to our brand, it's a chance to market our brand. It's an area that we recruit in heavily. It just seemed like, okay, this is literally kind of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, so let's do it. You touched on some of it right there, but uh, you know, you said you've had other opportunities. Why was this the right opportunity to move a game and go down to New York City? And, and I guess, what does the program and the university get out of playing a game in New York City? I think the historical significance of it, that's what really drove it to me. Because, I, again, I didn't think we were the first game, football, college football game in Yankee Stadium. The fact that we were in 100th anniversary, that's... That literally comes around that opportunity once in a lifetime. So, all right, let's go seize it. I think it's great for the university. There's a lot of things we can do around the game in terms of programming. It's great for our tri-state alumni, obviously. I think the spotlight, there'll be a national spotlight on that game, given the historical nature of it. It's played at Yankee Stadium. So I think it builds equity in our football brand and obviously an area that is, is critical to our recruiting efforts as well. Now, you know that, that some season ticket holders might not be thrilled with this, that they would want the game here, and, you know, I don't, I don't want to move the game down to New York City. Why do I have to go down there to watch a game that should have been played here? What would be your, your response to a season ticket holder who maybe is not thrilled that the game is being moved? I, I respect that. Number one is we still have six home games. If we didn't have six home games, this wouldn't happen, and, and we'll never go below six home games. And we historically, we've averaged about six and a half home games since I've been here. Um, so that was paramount. Again, I think given just the unique opportunity here, um, this is one that, again, and, and it took time for me to come to the conclusion, but I think this is worth exploring. We still have a really good home schedule. Um, Army, anytime you host a military academy, I think it's a special game. Clemson speaks for itself. We've had wild games at Wake Forest in the Dome. Uh, BC, our traditional rival, then Western Michigan, and we, we play Colgate again, one of our great historical rivals as well. So I think it's still a quality home schedule. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I, what I understand that the plan is it's going to be more than just a game, that they're going to have some other events that are going to attract fans down there, that there'll be some events around the game. I don't know what you can say at this point about that, but could you speak to that a little still, bit? Still work in progress, but we want to create is in working with the Yankees um, and working with the Legends Group, which is the Yankees own. I think there's going to be unique opportunities that we can offer up to our fans and really make it a weekend in New York type experience. And that's what we want to do. How does Coach Babers feel about this news? How do the players, the returning players, feel about this news? They, they get a chance to go back down there to Yankees. I, I, think, I think our guys, I think our team will be excited. And, and they'll understand the historical nature. They'll understand the, the platform, the big stage that they're on. Again, back in New York. Um, you know, Coach Babers, he's supportive of it. And, you know, any coach would love to have 12 home games, and, and I get that, right? But he understands the, the, the significance. He understands the opportunity. And I think, again, one of the key words is this, this is an opportunity for us to really market our football brand, and we're going to do so heavily.
And again, uh, that was John Wildhack. I had a chance to talk to him. It was a portion of of our interview, and you'll hear more tonight uh, on News Channel 9 at at 4 and and 5 and 6 o'clock. Again, you get the sense that this is about more than just one game. I'm sure it's it's financially beneficial to them to play it from a recruiting perspective, exposure perspective. You heard him say that if they if they had six games on the schedule and this would have made it five home games, they wouldn't have done it. They look at it as a unique opportunity and and something they they wanted to pull the trigger on and take advantage. of. Something else you got to look at in this, Steve, is the, I bet you the players think it's awesome. I would think so, and especially and that's the most important thing you've got you've got a base of uh, you know several players from down that way. Um, you know, and and we know that there's a big alumni base down there as well. So there there are a lot of outside factors to consider, and you're never going to make everybody happy. And and I, you know, I get the fact that there are some season ticket holders. Who I might make not everybody be happy. happy all the time. Do Steve. you? Yes. Do you? Yeah. Even when you call people dumb. Yeah. <laughs> people love me. I'm beloved. And everything I say makes him happy. Uh, he's got a way, you know, John Wilde has got a way the, the pros and the cons. And he obviously knew that some people wouldn't be happy, but I think he looks at this, that the the risk of that um, is, is worth it. They feel like the reward outweighs that. And um, and they pull the trigger and, and they're going to do it. Yeah. You know what? And we can all sit and shake our fist at this guy. It's not going to change it. You, you're this, you know, and... It'll help the alumni base down there. If they need to get, you know, they're trying to get money out of people down in New York City, a weekend of the football team being there and all the bigwigs at the university schmoozing with people, it'll be a good thing. Again, it's it's almost like, and I, I alluded to this earlier, it's almost like you're going to have two homecomings this year, right? You can have a, a homecoming on the road of sorts and go down to New York City and, um, you know, you're your alumni base down there could feel connected to the program and the university, and then obviously you'll have a, a homecoming on campus when people can come back. So um, I, I'm interested to see these other events that they're planning around the game. They, they're going to make it a, a big weekend down there, uh, and they said it's going to be worth everybody's while. So I'm, I'm curious what develops uh, around the game. It's going to be more than just this one game. Heard Babe Ruth is going to be there. <laughs> I had the uh, the the original <laughs> program was texted would, to me today. Um, that would that would change my opinion of it. Babe Ruth will be there. See if I can find it for you quickly here. Um, I'll have to pass along to you during the break. But, uh, I mean, th- there's a lot of history that goes with this. You know it would be uh, awesome if they did, like, the well, I guess Syracuse probably wouldn't be politically. Like, if they had the original mascot uniforms, but I guess you couldn't do that. Imagine how gross the Pitt Panther uniform would be. The, the mascot would probably, you probably can't do that, but the the uniforms like throwback uniforms leather helmets well you can't do that uh-huh. but i think you could have some fun with that though yeah that would be fun pull out some alternate greens <laughs> that would be awesome if would it be? yes you don't think for one if game, it was like modern day like like pink you and green, yes you could make it cool you, if you don't think syracuse playing in the old pink and greens would be cool at yankee stadium you're just not hip. You could make it cool. Yeah. You could make it cool. It, it, they got to do something. You look you like think. a Taco Bell from the 90s. <laughs> It'd be awesome. Let's have some fun with it, though. I think it's a it's a cool opportunity. And, um, you know, as Rob, our first caller, said, you got to go there and win the game first and foremost. Um, but it is, a, it is a cool Matt opportunity. Matt Park's got to call the game with just one headphone next to his ear. And he's got the ball at the 20. <laughs> he's got to talk just like that. All the humanity. <laughs> Just like that. I love it. All right, let's hit a timeout. Uh, We'll uh, get to more of your phone calls next on ESPN Radio. 